Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Chronicles of Mister. In today's episode, I'll be speaking to Principal Sanin. In this episode, we talk about compensation, salary, and how to negotiate. This is a dope conversation that, frankly, I wish I had heard when I first started teaching. Knowing your worth is one thing, but knowing how to advocate for yourself is another. I normally would break this conversation into at least two parts. However, I received feedback that as the year comes to an end and conversations regarding contracts and compensation, that this is a conversation that some of y'all are going to want uninterrupted. So here it is in its entirety. As always, thank you for your support. I greatly appreciate it. I also appreciate those of you who have left a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, even of just a few words. If you haven't, I would ask you to please pause, head over to Apple Podcasts, and leave a review of just a few words of how much you appreciate this uh, this podcast. A few words because the algorithm, the algorithm, the algorithm will push this podcast out to a larger audience, and that's greatly appreciated. So, with that being said, thanks once again for tuning into another episode of The Chronicles of Mister. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mister Pierre, and we are once again joined by Principal Sanin Mikisano. Thank you very much for for coming through again. No worries. I'm happy. Always happy to have a conversation with you. Awesome, awesome. And today we're going to talk about um, that dollar, in t- particular, compensation, salary, and negotiations, and all that good stuff. Thinking for myself, and I think of the conversation that we had, where it was said that. There were probably, not probably, there most certainly were previous contracts that I signed that I probably shouldn't have and should have gone back and like, I know my worth. This is how um, a person of my many years of teaching um, is being compensated. So it should be on par and definitely was not. Is that true for you as well? Absolutely. I think my first teaching salary after taxes was maybe... 35 grand that first year um and even when I became a school leader I didn't ask any questions and it wasn't a year until a year later that I found out I wasn't being paid on a principal pay salary my first year um and if you think about your step increases it's always based on your base salary so whatever you start out with is super instrumental because that's what they're basing your percentage increase every year um, and I didn't, I just didn't understand the compensation uh, structure at all when I first started teaching. Same, same. It, I was, I was under the guise of like, oh, everyone must be getting the same. And if this is what they're offering me, then this is sort of like the best deal and not me being, I guess, naive to say like, oh no, let me check with other, other teachers and ask like, are you being compensated the same? I think that happens a lot in the nonprofit world because For a lot of people who go into the nonprofit world, you're doing it. You're not necessarily doing it for the money. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us, when we signed up to be a teacher, we knew from the jump that we weren't going to become millionaires off of the the job. Um, And so there's a little bit of like a martyr, like a sacrificial mindset in that, like, I'm just, I just need enough to get by. I'm not here to kind of like... pinch pennies with anyone and honestly we're almost discouraged from negotiating or asking any questions or from it being transparent Mm -hmm. and that blows my mind because when you work in a school district 
um, you are a public employee. So your salary is technically public knowledge. Um, and there's so much secrecy around pay and how much you get paid in schools, however. Yeah. And so I am not on the side of admin to, to know all the ins and outs of budgeting. You are. So for a person who is listening to the, to this episode, um, how do you, how do you balance that? How do you, because I'm sure there's someone who's going to say to you like, oh, word in that case, let me go to principal Sandy and be like, yo, can I get 25 more K? (laughs) Does it work like that? (laughs) It doesn't work like that. I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I'm going to give you just a little bit more context. So to tell you how schools get their money and then we'll get to like the reality of your salary. So like big, big picture, most districts have a pay a per pupil amount. So if you think about it, every kid who sits in your classroom represents a dollar sign. Mm-hmm. And so the way I think about it, for instance, let's say my um, jurisdiction has set $15,000 as the pay per pupil amount for the year. So that means for every child who's in my school, I get $15,000. And that total amount is what I need, is what makes up my budget. And I need to be able to either pay repair or pay for my facilities, pay teacher salaries, buy instructional materials. Like that is the pot of money. Mm-hmm. And that is true whether you're in a district school or in most charter schools, that is true. I, I will preface this by saying there are some charter schools that kind of pad their budgets from fundraising and outside donors. But for the most part, most charters try to stick to the per pupil set by the district. Got it. Now, if you're in a private school, that's complete. It's a completely different structure. Okay, I say that to say sometimes you'll hear in the news a city um, does budget cuts, and those budget cuts extend to the schools. So, on a very basic level, if you're in a city and you're watching the news and they're saying there's going to be budget cuts, think that it is affecting your school, and that may not be the year where you're going to get the um, bestest result in negotiating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, like going, like taking it one step closer to like you and I, right? Like, so you, we each get a salary. Most districts, most charter networks have a sort of like, it's a table, right? And that table tries to correlate your degree and your number of years of experience. And you fall somewhere on that table, And if you're in a really good organization, they're really transparent as to how you move from one step to the other. So like how much you can expect to earn more every year if you stay at that same degree level or if you get another degree to add to it. Okay. So at the very minimum, you got to ask yourself when you're being when you're being offered a contract, you can simply just say, can I say, can I see your pay scale? or your, your step scale, or your teacher salary scale. If you're in a public school, you can Google it. Your teacher union has already negotiated that for you. So you can literally put your district name, teacher pay scale, and it should pop up a table on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so we're like, okay, th- we know where we land. Let's say you have a bachelor's and you have four years of teaching experience. Ideally, there's a number. Yeah, That's where it's still not cut and dry, to your point. Every school leader, every person who manages a budget has discretionary, uh, they can they can make decisions at their own discretion. Being a person in a content area, 
is really helpful. Uh, and you should leverage those to your benefit. So for example, I know you to recruit teachers for it because there's so many other other competing fields that you could work in, like we could both be in tech and be making a lot more money. Um, And so most school districts struggle to recruit teachers into the math and science field. Hey, I'd love to join your district. Um, And I know, and I'm like really enthusiastic about math or science content. And would it be possible to add another thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars? I would say anything under five thousand dollars is like a reasonable ask to add to your offer letter and expect that it could be granted if that um, school leader had been wise with their budget. So, for example, for me, I, when I make my budget, I always have a line item that's literally named sign on bonuses, knowing that there might be a new candidate that I'm trying to recruit to my school and I need to proactively plan to be able to add a little extra to their offer to sweeten the deal. That was going to be the question because I'm sure there there are teachers who are like, look, I know I can go to, to school X they will offer this, but I really like the culture of school Y, like the vibe, like the principal, but they're offering less than. And it's like, do I go to X? Do I go to Y? And how do I, how do I say to school Y, what can you offer me that's going to, for lack of a better word, entice me, encourage me to come to your campus versus the other. And you saying that, that admin has that that discretion to offer more than just what's on the step letter. Yeah, I think, so let me take a bigger step back, right? So before you go into a negotiation with the school, you need to do a little bit of a self-analysis for yourself and determine what's important to you in a school community and what are things that you're willing to compromise on. So for example, are you someone who has a family and you need to be home by a certain time? So that's something that's not that's non-negotiable and so that you need to put that high on your list. Are you someone who has a bachelor's, but maybe depending on your role, depending on your personal, um, your personal goals, you might wanna be pursuing either a master's or a certification or a license. Would you like your district to be able to support you with that? So if that's the case, you should put that on your list of things that you want to use as a negotiation tactic. Um, are you someone, and, and, and this gets a little bit more in the nitty gritty, how important is it to you that the entire school community be a certain way versus are you okay maintaining a certain culture and community in your one classroom and you're okay that whatever's happening outside of the door um, is happening? So I don't know if that point makes sense, but for some people, they're okay if not every school is going to have, like, I'll speak to a charter world, not every school is going to have a really tight culture um, where, like, you know, there are school-wide expectations, and for the most part, students are abiding by it, and most teachers are bought into that. Some people really need that to thrive. Like, that's really important to them, the stability and structure of the entire school. Some people are like, listen, I have the skill set to build that within my own classroom. And so it's less important to me at this point in my career or just personality wise that there's a school wide structure. So therefore, for you, as you're looking at different schools, that may be something that you're willing to compromise on. Once you figure it out, what are your non-negotiables and the things that you're willing to compromise? 
now you're ready to enter into a conversation. So let's say to your example, earlier example, school, you really want to go to school X because you like really enjoy their culture and they're vibing with you. But school Y is offering you more money. Is the difference between school X and school Y and the amount of money that that monetary difference, is it equivalent to the other things that you're taking off the table? Yeah. Yeah. And if it is, then it might be okay that you make a certain choice. But if it isn't, you now have to ask yourself, what is it that I can ask uh, one school to offer me that may not be monetary, right? So for mm. example, um, tuition reimbursement might not come out of your individual school budget. It might be a district initiative that they have a partnership with your local state school. And so every teacher can go there for free or 75% off, right? Yeah. That might be enticing to you um, or necessary to you. Like I know for a lot of states, if you're a SPED teacher, you need to have your license. Mm -hmm. And so having uh, tuition reimbursement is something that's really helpful. Um, on the flip side, you might really love a school, but it ends at 4.30 and <laughs> you have to pick up your kids at three o'clock. Now you may ask yourself, is that a non-negotiable? What I would say is you go to that other school and say like, hey, do you guys have a flexible, do you have a flexible work schedule? Is there a way that I can leave a, an hour early and either not get penalized or I get like a certain percentage off of my paycheck? And then you look to see what they say. And if, for example, at my school, if it's less than two hours, it's considered flexible and you won't get an impact on your, on your pay. Again, that decision to grant that flexible schedule Falls is on. up to your head of school, right? right so right. I try to tell people the, the number game isn't the end game. It's the total package. Right. Also, we're both getting older. Benefit packages. I'm a woman. I have had to learn to ask, what does family, family time off look like? Mm -hmm. I've worked at some districts where you get 12 weeks fully paid. I've also worked at other districts where you get eight weeks, no pay. And so if you're someone of the age where you're planning for a family or you're currently, you know, currently planning to get pregnant, or even if you're a male, if you, if your partner is pregnant and you want to take time off, Pretending, it's worth yeah. asking, you know, what is your time off policy? For me, I have older parents. And so wondering if there is like family leave policies where if my parents get a little bit sick or if they need my attention, will that, we already have so few personal days, will that, will I have to cash out all of my payday, my personal days to be able to be present for my family? So those are the things that aren't monetary, but you want to be asking about um, so that you have a really good picture, right? Like I remember one contract I signed for a year where we had, where I had a really great base salary. But my benefits that year were horrendous. Like it was the first time I paid out of pocket for so many, for like routine, a routine doctor's visit. And I got a bill at home and it was like, seven, it was like 20% of the pay of it. And I, I didn't even ask when I had signed the contract. Like I assumed that I would have uh, similar benefits as my previous district. So things like that are really important. Um, on, the, on the other end of the spectrum, going back to family planning, I worked for a school district that offered 
um, fertility treatment reimbursement, which is a big deal because fertility treatments are really expensive. Um, and so like that, that was like a unique standout feature for that district to be able to recognize that the majority of its workforce were women um, and fertility treatments affect many women, a much, a much higher rate of women nowadays. Um, and so like things like that, like that's the piece where I'm like, you have to do a self-analysis and see like, what is it that your life currently needs to be able to make the work sustainable and enjoyable? Now, who is the person that sort of has that information? Because there are always going to be gatekeepers, people who know and who don't freely dispose of that information. And some of that falls on us to be able to, to research it. But if you don't know what you don't know, it's really difficult to, to, to make those moves and like... Google being Google is like, yeah, Google will give you this myriad of, of options, but that doesn't really help you for your situation. So like, how would you advise a person um, or what advice would you give to a person who is in that category of like, look, the end of the school year is coming, contracts are going to be uh, coming soon. And those decisions of uh, do I sign and come back or do I go to a different one? What advice would you give to a person who's listening? That's a great question. I would say um, most organizations that value transparency will go ahead and send their benefits package along with the offer. So that's already like a good early signal as to what, what type of organization you're signing up to work for. On the flip side, if you are on the public school side, your teachers will negotiate even your benefits packages. And I also have like a welcome package PDF that has all these information in it. To my earlier point, however, you need to know what into you. So even before you look at the benefits package, you need to like kind of make, even if it's like chicken scratch, make a list of things that are important to you. So when you look at the benefits package, because they tend to be super dense, you know exactly what you're looking for. So I would say like, I'll share for me personally, I wear glasses. And so having a vision plan that's part of my benefits package is important to me. Um, and like the difference between having to pay out of pocket for glasses versus getting one or two pairs for free every year, it, it matters. And so that's something I look for um, in, in a benefits package. It feels super simple, but I can't begin to tell you how many times a friend of mine has been like, yo, did you know I didn't have vision coverage? Like they didn't ask when they initially signed their contracts. Um, your teacher union, if you're in a public school, your teacher union usually has a rep. And so usually you can just simply ask that question like, hey, can you put me in contact with a teacher union rep or my H or the HR rep? And you can sit with, they, they will jump on a call, sit with you and like answer the different questions and paint a, um, a big, a brighter picture than what documents can help you see. Right, right. Okay. So the moment of truth comes and uh, we'll say uh, the person comes to you like Principal Sanon. I know that a person uh, on part of myself, the number of years of teaching, my degree, et cetera, et cetera. I believe that I should be earning XMO. How do you balance the 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 counter offer of I would like 10x more than or 10k more than what uh <laughs> you know um because you're, you're a numbers person too of like hey I want to make sure that I stay within these bounds that I'm not trying to go all the way up to the line on my budget that there is a little bit of mm -hmm. 
things happen. We just experienced a mm -hmm. pandemic that no one was planning for. And so those funds, yeah. So how, how do you, how do you balance that? So there are a lot of, a lot of nuances. I would tell people, first of all, the best moment to negotiate is when you're initially signing a contract. I would tell you that is an easy, that is usually the easiest time. And the, the one time where you are more than almost guaranteed to get your requests. Okay. Because okay. it's really hard to get people through the door. Now, there's the other case where you're now through the door, you've put in a few years out of school, and now you're like looking at your contract, and to your point, you're like, hey, I think I should make a little bit more. I would like to be able to make a little bit more. Inflation is a thing. House, The housing market is a thing. Life has gotten a little more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and so at that point, you're like, I'm going to go advocate for myself um, and see what could get done. That is, you should do that. I encourage my staff to do that. Um, I purposely tell them to do that. Um, and you got to be ready when you enter negotiation. It's a little bit of a little bit of a battle. So you got to be ready with your battle. The very first thing that I tell people and the very first thing I look at, and this is going to come across harsh. Are you actually worth it? And you got to be real, real with yourself. Like, are you, are you worth it? Are you running a tight class? Are you showing uh, improvement in student achievement data? How diligently are you um, responding to your school-wide responsibilities, deliverables, responding to parent needs? Am I fielding complaints from, fam from families about you? Or are you the type of teacher that parents come in and request you for their child, right? Th those matter, right? Like your unofficial, I, I'm not even saying your official evaluation. It's the unofficial evaluation, right? Like your social capital in the school. When you think about if I lose this teacher, my school community will experience a gaping hole. The more you're able to like be that, the more you have leverage to negotiate. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes a whole lot of sense. And to crystallize it for anyone who's listening, what I'm hearing you say is, those official observations are important. They're good. However, the unofficial of if you were to be subtracted from the equation from the school community, would your absence be so noticeable that the principal and admin would have to say, no, we cannot lose this person? Yes. Okay. And that, that's the first step that takes a little bit of humble pie. Because you may be on your your you may be on the road to being that, but right. you may not have you're you may not yet be there. Yeah. And it's okay to tell yourself, you know what, I need to really invest in another year or two in either learning my content deeper, being able to build relationship with students, be able to build a culture, being able to build good relationship with parents and with mm -hmm. my colleagues. All of those factors are important. And oftentimes we get really kind of um really focused on like one aspect of the work and understanding that you are a whole body person that's that's contributing to a whole community yeah. and so your value in the community comes into play so now let's say so there's two pathways either you're there and you're like i know not <laughs> not not out of being overly cocky but i know with confidence i have yeah. heard it I can tangibly point to evidence that shows that my value is important in this community. So that's one pathway. There's another pathway you're like, actually, I thought I was there. I looked around. And I'm like, actually, I need, I need to do some more work. So put mm -hmm. your head down and do a little bit more work. 
But if you're on that first path when you're like, I put in the time, I built the social capital and I, and I am like an indispensable part of this community. Now you have to get to the table and figure out what it is that you're actually negotiating for. What's your evidence, right? So do you have a comparable data point to share with your school leader and say, hey, if I, if I went to this other district, they would be willing to pay me X, Y, or Z. There's a caveat there. You need to actually be comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. And what I mean is, traditionally, a private school will always pay less than a charter school. Mm -hmm. And a charter school will more than likely pay less than your public school district. A public school district that is serving an underserved community will pay less than a public school district in a suburb. So you got to be comparing apples to apples. I can't be in an inner city public school and comparing my pay salary to that of a really affluent suburb. They're never going to, they're never going to compare because we know taxes, we know all the fundings that go into school will differ based on the communities. And that is, that's actually not a negotiation tactic. Your school leader will look at you and like, Hey, I just, the per student spending in that city is remarkably less than our per student spending. Um, so, so first figure out your comparison point, then figure out your like evidence that shows that you are an indispensable part of the community, right? Do you have test scores? Do you have, um, sometimes it's just like cards that you collected from families that have shown that they, they, they value you. Those, the little cards that the kids write you at the end of the year, that's, that's survey data. You don't yeah. know it, but it is. Yeah. Um, and once you've collected your data, the other thing you need to do is going back to that self-analysis point. What is the thing that's non-monetary that you would also be uh, willing to compromise with? So maybe, for example, they can't go up, they can't add 10 grand to your salary, but can they pay for you to go to this really exciting math conference out in Nebraska and pay for your room and board and food? If the answer is yes, the value of that conference could be worth a little bit more and you're not coming out of pocket. Right, Maybe right. as a teacher, you're really excited for PBL and you want to implement some problem-based learning in your classroom, which would require you to buy more curriculum. Maybe your school leader does not have the budget to add to your salary, but they can, they might have a budget line for new curriculum. Are you interested in getting that new curriculum and being trained on that new curriculum? Another way to think about it is thinking about your next step. So like right now, maybe you're a math teacher, but you're thinking that maybe in a few years, you might want to transition to either special ed or to admin. Maybe your school leader can't add to your salary, but they can sponsor you to either get the certifications, the training, the degree that will allow you to take yeah. that next step career-wise. And that is also equivalent to that, you know, that, that adds okay. to your salary. Yep. Um, so just think about what are the other, and the other thing I tell people, if you're really truly ready to negotiate, you got to come to the table with the proposals. Your school leader is balancing 50, 70, 100, whatever number of staff members are in your building, didn't request from that many number of staff members. Yep. So the more robust of a proposal, proposal as news, the more likely you'll be in it, right? 
I love when people come to me and they're like, here's plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and, and, and some asterisks, just in case none of those other plans work. Here's some, here's some little, here's like a little razzle dazzle that you can add to my salary that I love it, right? Um, and then I think I tell people all the time, you could do all of that work and your school leader might still come to you and say, hey, I can't do, I can't add to your salary this year. How will you manage that? Yeah. That's really critical because going back to the social capital that you have, how you manage that and maneuver around that situation may impact how that person reacts to you in the future too. So sometimes there's a timing piece. I would tell people, sometimes my teachers, I have to, I have to write my budget, right? Then I have to submit it to my network. My network has to submit it to the board and then the board has to approve it. Sometimes you just come into me and it's too late in the game. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, the budget has already gone and went, and I can't make large-scale adjustments to it in the way that you're asking me to. However, I might be thinking about you. I might remember you the next year when I'm creating my next budget. But if after you negotiate and I come and I tell you the professional way, like, I'm not hiding, it isn't kind of funky, I'm being straight up with you, like, hey, I can't do it. If you are able to take that and, like, not become a negative sore in the community, yeah. I'm very much more likely to remember you the next go around. But if you make a huge stink about it, I'm just, I, that like closes the door. And, I, and I, that might not be professional, but sometimes people realize you're working with other another human being who's also doing a job. And so you sometimes have to, uh, I, I remember someone telling me, you got to put, you got to put in, you got to put into, how do they say? It's kind of like you're putting in like a couple of gold, gold coins into every person's reserve, right? Yep, yep. So I might not be able to get an immediate return on my investment this go around, but I put a gold coin in there for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Your reaction, that that's important. That's that gold coin that you're putting in for tomorrow. And going in a different direction, if the things that you were negotiating were actually truly not a negotiation and really critical to your survival as a human being, then you got to be willing to cut your losses. So like your school leader is not responsible for knowing um, your personal bill amounts and <laughs> how much you're paying per month for rent. That is on you. And so if you went to the table, if you went at home, you did your little scratch math and you figured out, actually, I'm not making enough to survive. That, that, that's not a negotiation. That's the end of the story. You now have to pivot and be willing to pivot to elsewhere or think about what you need to do in addition, whether it's, you know, cutting back on your expenses, but that, and I think sometimes people come at their school leader from a space of, um, a space of, uh, like they're in a tough spot. And that, when you're in a tough spot, that's not actually a negotiation spot. And, and so you need to make sure you're not operating from that space. Because if you're in that space, that space is actually not negotiation. You really do have to take a personal personal decision to say, like, A, I have to either find work elsewhere, because that's an unfortunate matter of fact, right? B, I have to content myself with this work, and maybe I have to decide that over the summer, I won't take the three months off, but maybe I have to have a job that supplements it, which is unfortunate. It's 
breaks my heart that that's the state of education where some of us aren't making enough actually based on the city that we work we work in right but it's a reality um, that it's is a reality. a reality so that but i think sometimes people misdirect their frustrations to the wrong person right i'm not here i'm not saying i look I look at my first year teacher salaries and I try to be equitable and I don't set my pay salary, but I look at it and I'm like, man, they're not making that much. They're really not. And so like, it's, it's, it, I don't try to sugarcoat it when someone tells me, Hey, Meek really Boston's getting really expensive. And I, and I, I, this year I'm going to lose a handful of teachers because they have bought houses in a different part of the state where the houses, like, you know, just further out away from the city, where the houses were more affordable, but their commute to my school would have been unreasonable. And in that moment, I'm not, I'm not harboring hard feelings. I'm real. I'm like, yo, I, I might need to do the same in a few years. Like, I agree. And I get it. Um, and I'm not yeah. holding the wrong person responsible for that. And that's a piece that I think sometimes people forget. I, I want to synthesize because you said a lot of great things. Number one, know how you are negotiating or what you're negotiating for is super important to be able to weigh those two things to, like you mentioned, if it's going to be path A, you know your value and you know that you are someone who's valuable to the school community. Understand that. And that may mean, hey, if my school leaders cannot provide this number as well as the other variables, like you said, option A, B, C, D, E through asterisks, whatever, then I may need to leave. I may love the school community, but it's not mathing the way that it should be mathing. Therefore, I need to subtract in order to be able to, to add. And then number two, I loved what you said about comparing apples to apples, because I do think there are some who come from maybe the private sector and they're thinking, oh, if it's the private or if it's a public, then when I go to private, it should be this. Or if I'm coming from public to a charter school, it should be this and it's recognizing, no, it's different. Each sort of bucket is going to, to be different. And you want to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. And then finally, the hard truth is sometimes you may ask for all the asks and the answer is just going to be no. And if you, if you understand that, if you know that going, going in, you should have the mindset like this may not end the way that I want it to. And if it doesn't, let me end it in a way that is amicable because the way you do treat people will come back because maybe it doesn't happen this year. Maybe you leave and then in a year or two, you get a phone call saying, hey, we couldn't do it last year. You left us. Would you be willing to come back? Because I've known teachers who have left schools, gone to other places for a year or two, gotten that phone call of like, we couldn't do it then. We can't do it now. Would you be willing to come back? And they'd be like, yeah. And because they ended it on such a amicable way there was no sourness to it they were able to do that um so yeah keep that in mind you're still gonna need I think people sometimes are a little short-sighted you're still gonna need a reference from Mm. your school that you're leaving and I can't begin to tell you the number of times I get reference requests I get so many and the more positive of an experience that I had with you on a human level the more urgently i'm filling that request i'm not gonna underscore i'm gonna eventually get to everybody's request but remember if if you're a school leader and you're getting reference requests for like 10 people who used to work for you you're gonna look scan through the names you're like oh i remember (laughs) Wooly. let me let me give him a good shout out right yeah i think secondly the other thing that we sometimes forget that short side and i and i really appreciate this piece of feedback that someone told me early on in my career this work is political. 
you if for as long as you stay in education especially if you stay in the same same area same region same sector you will circle back and meet similar people over the course of your career you want to make sure you're not burning bridges um, early on in your career and sometimes people harbor grudges. So how you treated them, you know, when you were trying to get that, you know, $5,000 in that third year of teaching, fast forward a few years and you're now um, looking to be a vice principal in a public school district. And that person that you kind of like took your anger out is the principal that has, who's the gatekeeper and could decide like, yes, I'm going to pick you to be my next vice principal, or I'm going to pick this other person. Um, it is, unfortunately, I tell people this all the time. If you plan on staying in education for a really long time, and you plan on staying in the same area or in the same kind of like sector, it is politics. We are not in high school, but sometimes it is kind of like high school. Sometimes it does matter who you know and how you treated them. Um, and a good word about you goes a really long way. Uh, and so that that piece is something to remember of like how do you how do you ex how do you leave every interaction graciously? How do you leave every school community give graciously? I remind, especially our young our younger teachers, but I've had experienced teachers do this. Like they get frustrated about something and they're willing to leave mid year. I'm like that looks terrible because if at the end of the day you're here for the children, unless you're like your health is impeded, you should try to leave the community that you're in graciously in a way that still puts the focus on the children and not just on you and your needs haven't had spent a time when the internet wasn't what it is now where you could do foolish things as a young person and it not be permanent for <laughs> all time and it was just left to the memory of just a couple of handful of people like woolly back in 83 whoo, or woolly back in 93 whoo. whereas now to say Wooly back in 2003, like, oh, I've got the, I got the tweets, I've got the emails, I've got the this and the that. I would say, even if you're not going to stay in education in your area, because I've met people now that I'm on the West Coast, I've been going up on the East Coast, where I'm like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Like, yeah, I went to school with so-and-so, we used to work. And I'm like, it really is six degrees for everyone. It used to be six degrees just with Kevin Bacon. It's six degrees with everybody. The internet has made it so that even if I don't know you personally one-on-one, -on -one, it's very likely I have worked with or interacted with someone either in person, real life, or through these interwebs that knows something about me, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody. So I would even say, look, that golden rule, let it, let it be the thing that guides you. Like, I may not be happy with how you're treating me, but I am not then going to reciprocate that vitriol that you are throwing at me right back at you. I'm going to wax on, wax off so that when I leave this space, the people who are present, even if it's one or two people, you know, like, nah, Wooly's not like that. So if someone is saying that about Wooly, you, there's got to be some more, more to this story than what's being said. Um, so that <laughs> when that VP, like you were saying, that AP assistant principal position comes up and I go to interview, like, oh, I've heard about you. And I'm like, really? Who told you about me? And it's like, all right. I now have an idea of how the narrative is. Um, have you spoken to so-and-so and so-and-so? And -so? Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know them too. And so there's a much fuller picture of uh, who you are in your history. And like you spoke about um, it being a little bit like high school of <laughs> knowing the politics of, of it all and being just being uh, cognizant of that, that that's just the reality of it. 
Mm. I have seen, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I have seen people's resumes been passed over just because somebody in that room had had a negative interaction with that person. And it had nothing to do with their effectiveness as a person, um, as a professional. It all came down to like how they had handled the situation. And I've seen the inverse, right? Like I can speak personally. I applied to a role, the role I'm in currently. And, you know, they always ask for, you know, like two or three references. I put down two or three references. It just happened that my most recent um, manager wasn't on that list because my most recent manager had only been managing me for about six months at the time that I had left that that previous role. So I was like, oh, we had we didn't create a deep bond. There was no hard feelings. I was really transparent about my departure. Um, and but I didn't like I didn't I didn't make the effort to be like, oh, I'm going to put him down as a reference because I was like, I had other people who had managed me for like two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, the manager, the hiring manager for my current role happened to like went out to a dinner that my previous manager was also invited to. They didn't really even know each other. They're at a dinner that's like, you know, through some professional connections. So they get to talking, you know, they're having casual conversation and um, she shares with him like, hey, you know, I'm currently hiring for this role. I just interviewed a really uh, a candidate that I'm really excited about. It looks like she worked at your organization. Do you happen to know so-and-so? And he was like, yeah, she was awesome. She exited before I had a chance to, you know, really get to know her. Meanwhile, like my actual lived experience with that man wasn't that it felt like we hadn't created a deep connection. And so I had no reason to believe that if given the chance, he would be speaking, you know, praises of me. But that, and then my hiring manager, like after she had hired me year, like months later, she was like, Hey, so do you know so-and-so? I was like, yeah, he was my manager for like six months. She was like, Oh yeah. He was the one that kind of closed the deal. Like he like spoke about you at a dinner. Like, and I was like, man, it kind of blew my mind. Cause she actually, I don't even know if she actually went and like called my actual references. Cause the value of his word was just so, um, so, so like it had such a heavy weight for her that she yeah. was like, oh, I'm willing to go off of that, right? Yeah. Similarly, now that I've been a head of school for so long, I've, I'm in circles with enough heads of schools in the Boston area where I'm like, more than likely that if you worked out of school where I know at least one person, before I even engage with you, like, officially, I'm just sending a quick text. Hey, do you know so-and-so? What's, 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 give me the lowdown. And, yeah. and depending on what that person said, and it is unfortunate because I also want to acknowledge that we're imperfect human beings interactions are um colored by context and background and so there are times where someone because i've also seen the seen the inverse where um like you know someone was hired and a person knew somebody and that person kind of gave like a little bit of a negative reference and i in that moment i was like you know what the ball is too far down the the hill Let's see, let's let, let's give this person space to prove themselves. And they ended up being a wonderful hire, right? And so in that right. moment, I'm a, I want to acknowledge that your experience is colored by a lot of context that you're not going to get in a casual conversation. However, that word of mouth, it's powerful. And to your point about the, the world that we live in, as much as we're in a social media world, we're in a word of, word of mouth world, your reputation will like supersede you. Um, yeah. so be mindful of that. Yeah. And I would say because of the work that we do, where 
like any other job, um, quality people are uh, sought after. Yes. And you can have all the qualifications. However, that human interaction, that human component, because kids are going to be kids. They will be the middle schoolers. They will be the elementary schoolers. They will be the highs. And from year to year, the things will change. However, if you've got solid adults in the building, it makes your job, and I'm sure you can attest to this now that you're an admin, so much more pleasant. Because when there is an issue or when that issue arises, because you know they're going to arise, you're like, no, I know so-and-so's got my back. So-and-so's got my back. So-and-so all hands on deck. When I call it, it's not going to be too much rationale that I have to provide to get everyone to buy in because they've seen and they know like, hey, if Mickey has said this, <laughs> there's there's rationale behind it. And if she can give it to me, she will. If she hasn't given it to me yet, I know that she will too. Um, so yeah, all of that is super, super important. So I, I'm thinking to anyone who's listening, just that final gem, if you will, of mine those relationships and keep them as positive as you can because they will and they do mean so much absolutely one thousand percent and i think it's a shift in mindset you can go into the work saying i'm just here for the kids i'm just here to do the work but we're no longer in um one room schoolhouses anymore you doing the work is in tandem in relationship with the other people in your building doing the work and it's in tandem with the admin in your building doing their work so the more you're able to build those relationships the more you're able to kind of just make sure that you are that that um dependable team player like you named going back to our earlier point about compensation the more your value in the community will increase the more you'll be able to negotiate when needed and even if you leave the more you'll be able to have evidence to take with you to a new community to prove your worth as you're proving yourself in that interview process. All of that, like the way to your put, the way you react to a last minute switch on a random Thursday will and could have impacts on that next job offer you get offered down the road um, by the school leader who happened to have gone to lunch with your current school leader, right? Like, so <laughs> it is, right. we're in an ecosystem. It all, it, there's an interplay with all of the things. Um, so just keep that in mind. And, and it's hard. Money is emotional, is an emotional conversation. First of all, we're not in a space where we talk openly about money. We're not in a space where we talk openly about our finances and the different space, the different financial backgrounds that we come from, right? Some of us are coming from families that have inheritances and like are passing down generational wealth. And so maybe that offer letter is not holding that much weight mm -hmm. to us, right? Like to live on $30,000 because I. I know my mom. That's two dollars in my check drops, right? And 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 not only can I not ask my parents to supplement money, they might be asking me to supplement their income, right? Right. Those different financial outlooks makes the conversation around money within one community really complicated and complex. So what I try to tell people is be um open with what you need, 
but try to neutralize the emotions behind it because the emotions tagged to it, it it's it's coming it's personal to your situation but it, it actually can't impact how a school leader makes the financial decisions in a larger school system right so i could be a school leader and of course i'm looking at you like your first generation i want to give you the best sweetest deal ever and i might not be able to do that or I might not be able to do it in an equitable way or in a transparent way, because I also have to keep in mind that you're in a community. So if somebody else finds out that I sweeten your deal, could I potentially offer, like, could I justify why I offered you the deal yeah. and not them? Right. That's a, there's so many questions that your leader is asking behind the scenes. So like, be ready to negotiate, be ready to advocate for yourself, but be also ready to acknowledge the emotions that are driving it are your own and you are the one responsible for that. Yeah. Well said, well said. And with that being said, I think that wraps up this particular moment or time that we are spending together because I think just keeping those few gems in mind of like, hey, make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Make sure that you are ready for the answer of no. And if that is the case, what does that mean? Are you are you willing to stay? Are you willing to go? And then finally, whatever the response is, just be mindful of how you then respond to that response because relationships matter. Um, it, it all comes down to how we react to how someone says something. Um, and like you mentioned, going forward, then the witnesses of that then could possibly become witnesses of like, yo, Mickey was a great, great hire, you know, didn't spend too much time with her, but the time that I did spend with her can say nothing but glowing things. And then likewise, no, I heard about Wooly. The way that dude be acting, no, thank you. <laughs> so all of that comes into play. And so we want to make sure that um, you're mindful of that. So to anyone who's listening, keep those few gems that have been dropped for today in mind. And going forward, um, as we're going into the season of budgets and contracts and salary negotiations, um, I hope that it all works out for you. So I Mickey, the, sorry. oh yeah, go ahead. The two things I would add to the gems. One, keep in mind the not the non-monetary things that you're willing to yes. negotiate that yeah. is like really critical and then something we didn't touch upon but the transparency piece don't be afraid to ask the people in your school community what their offers look like while it may be personal you just the simple acts of asking like hey i'm a first year teacher and here's how much they offer me do you feel like that's fair does that sound right to you and your experience here and like just you starting that conversation might give you information you need to go back to the table um but we don't do that enough so i just wanted i know that was like a last minute add-on but i do no, I, I do perfect. remember that being critical it's perfect perfect so she said it best folks i will not add anything else to it i will just simply say this has been another episode of the chronicles of mr i'm mr pierre She's Principal Sandin, and she's fantastic. And so we say thank you to you for sharing on this episode. Thank you for your platform. <laughs> Bye. Have a great one. And we out.